Okay, hey, let me introduce you. Uh, most of you know Jeff and Missy Rogers. They are friends of this house. They have been friends of this house even before King's Church was in this house. They've got more blood, sweat, and tears here than any of us. Well, not any of us, but many of us, certainly more than I do. Um, Jeff is a, a professional photographer, astonishing as a published work. Um, he is a man of God. He is a world traveler missionary, Missy is an ER physician. They just have incredible stories. Like their, their accomplishments are just ongoing. Um, but uh, Jeff also heads up the Wellspring Prayer Center just around um, the corner from us. Um, and and he just gives his life to the kingdom, has a heart for healing prayer. He's gonna share with us a little bit about that. Come on up, my friend. Let's honor and welcome you this morning. This is good. You are, are you ready to go? Right. Yeah, I didn't know if we'd have less glare up here, Brad, or down there, but I guess if you're used to speaking from up here, it'll all be good. Oh, the cameras catch it. All right, very good. It is such a delight to be here, but I'll, I confess something to you guys. I'm just a wreck after that worship set. I mean, I, uh, this morning I was praying before I came, and as I was praying, the Lord interrupted me. How dare you do that? And he said, we're going to have fun today. And so during worship, and I mean, like I'm crying and everybody's just, you know, really into it. And then Brad gets up here and talks about Isaiah 6. And I have a very special attachment to that particular scripture. And I thought, all right, Lord, how are we gonna, when do we get to the fun part? Because I don't even think I can speak. You guys get to, get to hang out and enjoy the glory, you know, of God's presence. And I got to get up here. I have the privilege of getting up here and sharing with you some things. But anyway, it's wonderful to be in this place. And I'll be honest. I feel sorry for most professional Christians that are up on a Sunday morning that are looking at unhappy people that look like they've been sucking on persimmons during the last week because you guys are just so joyful and just so happy to be here. And of course, after the worship set that we had, I don't know how anybody could be unchanged after that anyway. But anyway, it's just uh, really a privilege and honor to be here. And it's kind of like old home week for me. Uh, I came from a small church, Corinth Christian Church from Corinth, Kentucky, population 250. And we had about this amount of people in our church, which may have been like about a third of the people that of the population. So that's your charge, is to get a third of the population of Lexington in this place. But uh, you know you're really at home when you look back and you see a wall of sweet tea jugs. That, that affirms that you're in the right place. So I don't know if you... Uh, this is your church home, or if you just happen to be here today, but I'm uh, just really honored. Uh, Missy and I both are just really honored and privileged to be with you all today. And this last Thursday night at this uh, prayer uh, event, uh, you know, today we're going to be talking about healing and about miracles. One of the greatest miracles modern day may be that we had that many churches together praying, not because of so-and-so church or King's church or any church was just gathering in the name of Jesus and just worshiping him and honoring him and just crying out on behalf of our city that the murders would stop, that people would come to know Jesus, that young lives would not be snuffed out. And it was just really a, a, really a, a powerful event. So again, just really glad to be here. So uh, this morning, I'm really excited to share some things with you guys. And so I really want to just kind of open up with some testimonies. And uh, so if you'd put the first slide up, please. I just want to tell you some stories about some people I've gotten to uh, zero one. It was uh, a, a darker skinned fella in a hut. 
sorry, I, I titled them zero, one, two. No, we're, we're getting there. Keep going. There we go, that man. So I had the privilege, Missy and I had the privilege of going to Nepal with, uh, we're, I'm on the board of City for the Nations and Marcy, of course, uh, is a, a valuable minister with that organization. And I know there are some people in this room that uh, helped us take up the task of sharing the gospel to Nepal that had never heard the gospel before. And they said, finishing the task, people said, normally what would take 40 years has happened has happened within two or three years in Nepal because a group of people from Lexington came together financially and sponsored indigenous people to go out and to share the gospel with people. So Missy and I had a chance to go and to meet this man. And uh, he was, was a witch doctor in this village up on top of this mountain in Nepal. And uh, so the story goes that, and we heard it from his own lips, the story goes that he was a witch doctor, as was, I believe, his family before him. And so people, if they had a problem, they'd come and give him, I don't know, a pig or a, a chicken. I'm not really sure what the pay, what the going rate is for witch doctors in Nepal. But they would come and pay him, and he would either do a blessing or offer a curse against your neighbor that you're mad at or, you know, that your wife would die so you could marry somebody else. I mean, you know, he just, I guess he was a full service witch doctor of which I don't know much about. So anyway, he was doing his thing and he was getting more and more powerful. Uh, the, the powers, the dark powers within him were increasing. And then he found out that these evil spirits started to attach, attack him. And so he was, it got to the point where he was so desperate because he was afraid he was going to lose his life. He was really thinking that they were going to kill him. And so uh, he ended up getting so desperate that he went to a pastor of a little church that we actually got to go to, and that's where we filmed him at. And he said, told him a story, will you pray for me? Now, how many of you would have liked to have been the pastor that had the chance to pray for the local witch doctor? Wow, you all are brave. We got some warriors in here. Not me. Anyway, uh, he prayed for him. Uh, the demons left, and he accepted Christ. And so it's just a really beautiful story. He's been fe featured in Campus Crusade for Christ, you know, with crew in their magazines and things like that. But the funny, the backstory of this is, so Missy and I and Beth, who is Sam's wife, our friend Sam's wife, we're in this Range Rover going up this mountain. And it wasn't just like Black Mountain in eastern Kentucky. It was a lot bigger than that. And what was bad was the roads, to say they were unpaved is not a clear picture because there were ruts and gully washers and all this stuff. And I'm sitting in the back seat with these two ladies and I'm with my iPhone trying to get this so I could just post something on Facebook about going up a mountain in Nepal. I wasn't going to be specific about it. And so I got that video and then I posted it on Facebook. And then somebody later says, what? Witch doctor? Missy said on the way up there, well, gee, maybe the next time the witch doctor can meet us halfway or come down and meet us, whatever it was. I didn't even hear her doing that because I was filming my thing while I was being jumping around. Anyway, that was just kind of a funny thing. So I had to kind of address that. Our next person that I want to share about, oh, it's a young female. Oh, two. There she is. This is a beautiful young lady from about three years ago, same trip when we were in Nepal. And what's really cool about this lady is that she was a very religious person. She grew up in a church. Actually, she grew up in a Hindu temple. And one particular interesting characteristic about her family is that they were worship leaders in a Hindu temple that was known to have infant sacrifices. 
She'd never know anything different. I grew up in, I come from two generations of funeral directors. I've never known, it freaks out some people. I've never known anything other than people dying and being buried and life and all of that stuff. But this was her norm. And so an engager, a local person uh, that uh, was a Christian, shared the gospel with her. And so she accepted Jesus. And then she went home and she shared the gospel with her mom and her dad. They accepted Jesus. And what's interesting about this, she had an older brother that had not accepted Jesus. And I don't know why, but he happened to be paralyzed. He wasn't that much older than her. She's probably 18 or so in this picture, I think. So he was, I saw a picture of him. He was just a little bit older than her and he was paralyzed. And so they prayed for him and the Lord healed him. And then he accepted Christ. So isn't that an awesome story? And so now at the end of her, at, and this, the testimony of this girl, it literally has gone all around the world within um, uh, mission organizations and stuff because it's such an incredible story. And uh, at the very end of this, she, sa- she said that I want to, um, I want to put the, the gospel in my particular language and I want, I want everyone in my village and beyond to know Jesus. So it's just really cool what God had done for her and also for her family. Uh, the next one is the first guy that you showed that had on a, a mask. Yeah, there he is. This fella, all right. I love, uh, Megan, I'm so glad that you said that people have visions of Jesus and stuff. And we, many of us know that that's just kind of a normal thing. The Lord's appearing and drawing people into himself. So we have the context of knowing that. This man did not. He is 86 years old. He had uh, been bedridden for 12 years. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know why, but he couldn't get out of bed. He had been selling off his livestock and other things to pay for doctor bills, and nothing made a difference. After 12 years, this man in white appeared to him, and he reached down, and he touched his knees. Now, you and I kind of read between the lines. We, wow, that was cool. The Lord showed up. Well, he, he actually thought it was an angel of death that was coming to take him away, and he was scared to death. So he wakes up the next morning. He tells us in his own story. wakes up the next morning, and, gets, and he's able to get up, and he starts walking around after being an invalid for 12 years. At this point, he still didn't know who this man in white was that came and gave this incredible blessing to him. And so by God's providence, uh, a church planter, an engager, went and shared with him who this man in white was, and he's the one that healed him. And so now he has accepted Christ as well as everybody in his family. 86 years old, but isn't that awesome? So uh, another picture, please, of a young man. Everyone studies at the screen. Yes, this young man. He was really, this was in Niger just about a month ago. And uh, he was uh, in a band. And uh, good for him, you know. They, they have some good blues, by the way, in Niger. Believe it or not, they do. Some uh, good blues. Tureg, I believe, is the people group that really are into the blues. So anyway, he was in a band. And he had a knee issue. And it got to the point where he literally could not walk without a crutch. And I don't think it was worse than that, which would be bad. But anyway, he couldn't walk without a crutch. So he went to the local iman because, you know, uh, Niger is 80, or excuse me, 98% Muslim. So he goes to the 
Nehemiah asked him to pray for him, that his knee would be healed. Well, he prayed for him and nothing really happened. So then he's like, I'm getting kind of desperate here, so I'm going to go and find a witch doctor and pay them some money so they could pray for me. Well, he did that as well. No luck there. So he hears about this local pastor around this small church, and maybe I'll get him to pray for him. Somehow the word got back to the Iman, and he says, do not approach that son of the devil. So he told him, don't approach the son of the devil. But he was desperate. So he goes to him and asks him to pray for him. And so this local pastor that I know there prays for him. And immediately it didn't make a difference. But the next day he got up and he was able to walk with less pain, but still on a crutch. The second day he wakes up and he's able to walk uh, without any assistance by a crutch or anything else. And so... um, he ended up accepting Christ because of what he had done for him. And now he's one of our church planners, one of our engagers that goes out. Really beautiful young fella. So it's just a really awesome testimony. And then one more. I have one more slide to share. Yeah. So this was awesome. This was one of these under one of these tent things with all these carpets and rugs on top of it. And it's really quite cozy underneath there. You have to really... If you're as tall as Brad, you have to really get on your knees to get under there. But uh, it's a neat little place under there. So I had heard about this story, but it wasn't until a month or so ago that I was able to actually meet this man. So the man in the middle, uh, this was at his home. This is a hut or a tent outside of his home. And uh, he had fallen ill. And he was kind of a, it's still hard to figure out when you go to a foreign country who's who and what's what. But he was either an elder or a chief or a mayor of this village, of this area. So he's a very uh, influential person. And so the fellow to the right, he has been a pastor in, uh, in Agadez for a while. And so, uh, excuse me, um, no, it is Agadez. He's been a pastor there for a while. And so he goes to call on this man because I don't know if he was friends with him or what. And they said, well, he's not doing well. Well, what's wrong? Well, we don't really know, but I'm just afraid he's going to die. And so he says, the pastor to the far right, it's another pastor to the far left, but the one on the far right says, can I pray for him? My God heals. And so they said something like, well, sure, he's going to die anyway, so why not? So he goes in, and again, I'd heard the story. We got to meet this fellow. So he goes in, prays for the man, sees no difference whatsoever. The next day, no difference whatsoever. The the day thereafter, he gets up like he had never been sick a day in his life and starts walking around. And so he wants to know what happened. So the fellow on the far right comes back again, explains to him that he prayed for him in the name of Jesus, and now he's healed. And would you like to accept the Savior that's healed you? And he said, yes. And so now uh, the man in the middle that had once been on his deathbed, now he is one of our engagers. And I got to see him hop on one of these motorbikes that several people had donated in order to, so these guys can go out in the desert to the far places in order to share. So I just wanted to share some real-time kind of stories that have happened recently and also have a local connection because we happen to be from here as well. And so what I would suggest to you is that healing is uh, a primary means of evangelism in countries where there are what we call unengaged, unreached people groups. And so this is their very sophisticated uh, mode of operandi. So they go out in twos. They find a village they haven't been to before, and they prayer walk around the village. Then they go inside the village, and they ask the Lord to show them who is a person of peace in this place. They start a conversation with them, and then they say, do you have any sick here? Because our God heals. And so that's how things start. 
And essentially, that's how they, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's it. And so, um, I, um, I thought I'd had a lot of faith for God because I've got to see the Lord do a lot of really cool things. And then I picked up this book recently from Dr. Craig Keener, Asbury Theological Seminary. He's one of the utmost scholars in New Testament theology, I believe. He has this book called Miracles Today. Absolutely will blow your mind the, the miracles and things that he chronicles in here as a professional educator, as he chronicles things in here. Uh, this book did a lot for me too. The, uh, the Case for Miracles, Lee Strobel, we all heard of the Case for Christ and all of the word churches like that I grew up with and identified with as a young man. Uh, we all were all for the Case for Christ, but there hasn't been much talk about this particular book. And in this book, he also chronicles as well as talks about the primary means of evangelism to these last people that have not heard about Jesus yet is through physical healing. That's just an entry point for to be able to do that. So my question is, how is this possible? Uh, the few people that you've seen up here, as well as the people in all these books, how is this possible? Because as I was a kid growing up in my Bible-believing church, and I am so thankful for the church that I come from, my church said, God doesn't do that anymore. And yet, here's a, there are so many more people I could put on screen that I've seen, and that many of you, because I know that you're involved in prayer ministry too, that you've seen God do really amazing things. And so... Um, when Pastor Todd Smith was here a few months ago, King's Church, Destiny Church, and Wellspring Prayer Center, we, we hosted a two-night uh, basic baptism by fire kind of event, for lack of a better word, because of what Pastor Todd Smith is, what the Lord is doing down there with this North Georgia revival. And so he came up, and uh, it was an amazing—how many of you were here for either of those two nights? Wow, good, good, good bit of you all. Good. So he was telling us, I don't know if he said this to us on the side or whether he spoke this, but he referenced another pastor from uh, Georgia that's very, very famous that I've listened to for years, Dr. Charles Stanley. I've loved his preaching. I used to listen to him on the radio all the time. And Pastor Todd Smith had a chance to speak to Dr. Charles Stanley. And this is what Charles Stanley told him. I don't want to die knowing that there is more. With tears in his eyes, I don't want to die knowing that there's more because I believe strongly that there is more. And so this God that we're talking about has many different names that he calls himself, that he references himself. And the one I want to talk about today is Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the God who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. We hear in Exodus 15, 26. When you sat down here today, you received a piece of paper with scriptures on the front and back. You don't need to reference them at the moment, but just wanted to acknowledge that you got those. And when you read those, and maybe it's just me, but when you read those, you're not going to find a time stamp on any of those. Nowhere does it say that this was only for a certain period of time. And again, if the Lord is not doing, if the Lord didn't touch these people and all these people in these books, I don't think the enemy did that because, uh, and it wasn't just emotionalism, uh, because, uh, because people are coming to know Jesus and people are having an encounter with Jesus. And I'm going to talk a little bit about three types of healing. But one thing I want to say before I forget is those that have experienced some kind of healing that we're talking about today, 
what I've seen so often is that, yes, they're glad to receive whatever the healing was, but the biggest overriding emotion is they can't believe that God loves them enough to do this. It's not just that their knee pain is gone or that they're able to hear or whatever, but that God would actually love them enough to do this. Yeah. So, um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Again, no time stamp. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. So last week, I had a chance to have lunch with a, a young man that is at one of my favorite pizzerias. I love pizza. Whenever I go on a mission trip or come back for one, I try to hit, try to hit this place up. And so he had received Christ in India just a very few years ago. He's a young man, uh, just a very, in his 20s, very few years ago. And he had born and raised in India, had received Jesus, and he had seen the stuff we're talking about today. He had seen that all the time there. So he comes here to Kentucky to go to school, and um, <laughs> I was trying to explain to him what this concept is. It's a theory called cessationism, meaning that all of the miracles ceased after the disciples died. And I wish there was a way I could, as a photographer, I wish there was a way I could have captured the look on his face when I was trying to explain this to him because this was such a foreign language to him. He couldn't even imagine that something like that uh, was even believable. And so he reminded me, gave me a fresh insight to one of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Or another version says, acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will make your path straight. So my question, is it possible that the church is in the condition that it's in today, in America mostly, and in Europe, that is weak, that we're losing members at a rapid rate, and the gospel is not going forth, is it possible that maybe it's because, one reason is because that we don't share the fullness of the gospel. Psalm 103 says that he forgives all of our sins and he heals all our diseases. And for our, our training for those people that serve with us at Wellspring, on one of the videos, I've actually got a clip of this where there's a Baptist preacher that was at a big, big church in Texas somewhere, and something attack, attacked his vocal cords, and he was unable to speak. So they kind of had to let him go because, I mean, he was the mouthpiece, right? And so I believe maybe a couple of years or so after this had occurred, after he had left the church, he was invited back to speak to a Sunday school class. And this wasn't just a small group, but this was a, like, this had hundreds of people in this, in this class. And so he's reading, he's teaching on Psalm 103 and talking about how the Lord doesn't do this anymore. While he's speaking, the Lord heals his, his vocal cords. So he's talking about how that he heals all of our diseases. And I'm serious, he starts stumbling and you can, you can literally hear the difference in his voice. And he's, he says... I don't really know what's going on right now. And he starts crying. And it's just really, it's just really, really awesome. And so now he has a new ministry uh, talking about what God did for him and what he wants to do for other people as well. So it's just really a beautiful thing. Um, so three types of healing. Uh, 
Uh, one is spiritual healing. Each of the people you saw on this screen received spiritual healing. I would suggest that each of you that's accepted Jesus into your heart, he has come in and filled that God-sized hole, the God-sized piece that nothing else would fill. Fame, money, cars, whatever, nothing will fill that but Jesus himself. And uh, if there's anybody here today that hasn't accepted Christ, I hope that at the end of this service, you'll want to do so. Let me t tell you a story about physical healing. So that's the second type. So we have spiritual healing, and then we have physical healing. And so uh, with Wellspring, we've got some uh, friends down in Lynch, Kentucky. I was talking to somebody earlier today. I love Eastern Kentucky as a photographer. It's one of the prettiest places in the state, if not this whole region around here. And so I would go down there frequently to do photo shoots in the fall and happen to meet some really awesome people down there. And so um, we've gone two different times to do mission trips down there just to love on people and to pray for people and to bless people and stuff. And so before we went there this last November, uh, I arrived a day early because I wanted to do photography around Black Mountain. And my friend, my person of peace there said, hey, I've got this friend named Debbie and she's just got some problems. Uh, will you come with me to pray for her? And I said, well, sure. So we go to her house. And what had happened was she's really a sweet lady. She was a believer, as was her mother. And she's middle-aged. I don't guess women's ages, but she's middle-aged. And so she was sitting there at the kitchen sink one day. And she was doing dishes. And her mom was sitting at the kitchen table. And this, this clash of lightning and thunder and stuff like hit the house or hit right outside there. And it literally knocked her back on the floor, uh, on her back on the floor. And so her mom reached over and got her, are you okay? And so, yeah, she seemed to be all right. But she had had a headache because of that incident. And so this had happened in June. Uh, the incident happened in June. I was there. We were there in November. And so we're like, okay, sure. So we'd love to pray for you. So just start asking questions about, you know, have you ever had any other problems before? Uh, blah, 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 blah. And so she just kind of shared some things, kind of layers of an onion kind of thing. Like one, she wasn't supposed to have been born alive. The, the doctors thought she would be dead. There were multiple things that had actually happened in her life where um, uh, she almost died from those. Also, there'd been a lot of sickness in her life as well, not just Mack truck type things, but there had been sickness as well. And so we began to pray for her, the two of us together. And one of the things that we prayed against was a spirit of death that had been assigned to her because we, we heard, but also heard from the Lord that that was something to pray about. And the other was a spirit of infirmity. And so we prayed those two things. We all hugged, went home that night. Next day, she was at uh, somewhere we were, and uh, she said that the, the pain had gone away. She had been to every neurologist and every doctor that she could find. This happened in June, and this was actually in November. She had had a constant headache all of that time, and that little prayer did it for her. And from what I know, as far as today, she still does not suffer with any, uh, any uh, headaches or anything. So... That's something that the Lord did for her. Another thing that happened, this was just, you don't have to go on top of the mountain in Nepal or out to the Sahara Desert, but uh, this is something that happened here in Lexington just maybe two or three weeks ago at Wellspring. We have teams of people from a variety of different churches that come together in Jesus' name just to pray for whoever shows up. I was not in the room, and that's why I even like it, because I wasn't around. So I was not in the room, but a team, so it was reported to me that a team prayed for a man. I have no idea how old he was, but he comes in and he says that he wasn't able to raise his hands above his head, and he could not turn his head uh, because he had a steel plate in his neck somehow, and also he had pain in his calves of his legs and his right shoulder. 
They said that when he walked in, they recognized that one shoulder looked to be a little lower than the other. So they're in just the team talking with him, team of two or three, talking to him, said, by the way, has anybody ever measured your legs since you're having all this pain and stuff? He said, well, no. So they sat him in a chair and backed him up against the wall and boom, yeah, one of his legs was, it was clearly, they said, a half inch shorter than the other one was. So they asked if they could anoint him with oil. And so they anointed him with oil. And this is really cool. Uh, they didn't even have a chance to pray for him. But as they anointed him with oil, his leg grew out without even commanding it to do so or to pray for him. Isn't that awesome? So after that, then, of course, they're all jazzed up, including the fella. And so uh, they began to pray for the other pain in his body. And so somebody commanded in Jesus' name that this pain of sciatica would leave uh, this part of his body. And they prayed for some other things. And before we know it, this guy is standing up, moving all around with his hands up above it. And he could move his neck clearly, even though he had a steel plate in his neck. And God did that for him. Isn't that awesome? We know that God does a lot of amazing things. People I've told you on the screen, as well as just these, and there are so many stories. These just happen to be two somewhat recent stories. And yet I know, because I know many of you guys, there are still areas in your life or in your body that God hasn't healed yet. And so why is that? It's a mystery. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't have the mind of Christ. Well, I'm working on having the mind of Christ. But I have no idea why God does one thing. He's not a formula. It's not like you put in a nickel and out comes a gumball. I mean, it's just, you know, we can try to use the same methods, if you will, that other people have done, but he's not a formula. And so I just want to encourage those of you that have still not yet received a healing that your body or that your heart wants that don't just don't give up because we've all had people that we've prayed for that it has not worked if you will the last thing I want to talk about is emotional healing and this is probably the least understood and maybe one of the most needed areas of healing and so a description for emotional healing is something like this Jesus can take the traumas and pain of the past and he can remove the poison of those things and fill those places with his love. And so you still have a full memory of whatever the memory was, but there's no longer pain attached to it. This morning I was, again, praying about today, and I'd never seen this before. Um, I know there's a lot of people here as well that sees pictures, but I saw a picture of a, of a tree that had been cut. And you know how you have rings within a tree? And so the Lord showed me a picture of this tree that had been cut with all of these rings and I would suggest to you that all of the things that have happened in your life, uh, those that have been redeemed and those that haven't, that those are like rings in a tree. There's indentations in your soul of things that have happened to you. And Jesus can, and he wants to go back into time whenever that was, whether that was last week or whether you were five years of age or you had just been born. A lot of people, it's amazing how many people are born feeling like they're not really wanted. And so Jesus wants to and can heal those things as well. Let me just, uh, Psalm 109.22, Rescue me because you are so faithful and good, for I am poor and needy and my heart is full of pain. Psalm 34.8, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Has your spirit ever been crushed? Mine has. Psalm 147.3, He heals the brokenhearted, and he bandages their wounds. 
those are just some examples of the condition of our heart that the scriptures uh, speak to. And that's one reason I love the Psalms so much. In my absolute lowest times of brokenness, the Psalms just came alive like I'd never even read them before. So I encourage you to read those if you want. But there's another component of this, uh, of this emotional healing that I want to point out. Uh, this is from uh, uh, the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40-41. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. Now again, this is a man with leprosy. He's unclean. He shouldn't have been anywhere near Jesus because he was impure. And so we not only we have the physical healing of this leprosy being removed from him, but also I would suggest that Jesus healed his heart as well because he no longer uh, was an outcast. He was loved. He was able to go to church. <laughs> he was able to go back to a, a normal life. And then one other scripture, John 9, verses 2 and 3. Rabbi, the disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And so again, here's someone that was born blind. But again, in, this, in that particular culture, when you look at what life was like in 30 to 33 AD, there would have been a lot of shame because of what did his parents do that would cause him to be born blind. He would have felt inferior. He would have felt like he was damaged goods. And so Jesus healed him. And I would suggest that he healed his heart of all of these things as well too. Other examples of where emotional healing is needed Look at the news, fear and anxiety. The Bible tells us that fear is an unclean spirit and it needs to go. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says that God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Yesterday, the Bottagers and Missy and I had a chance to go and support some other friends. Their 14-year-old daughter was in a play down at the library, and it was on bullying. And bullying can be a, if you have, I don't have kids. If you have kids, as you know, bullying can be a horrendous thing. I had a, a, a beautiful sweet niece that was just bullied terribly, and it, it, it's marked her for life, unfortunately. I still hope that she'll come out of it. But there are things that happen to us, and we either just say, we'll just suck it up, get over it, push it down. It wasn't that bad. Or even today, we'll use our adult minds to say, well, that, you know, that really wasn't that bad. Or, you know, I, I, I should have done this, or I should have done that. Um, there's another story. A friend of mine named uh, Greg Horn. Do you all ever listen to his radio show, Hope, Hope Today? Hope is here. Hope is here. Thank you. Greg's an awesome fellow. I've known him a long time. He actually helped me publish my very first book. He was like a business coach for me. And so he called me and said, I've got a friend that has a 12-year-old daughter that's seeing uh, nightmares and stuff at night. Will you go with me to pray for him? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we rode over to a town outside of Lexington and met this really sweet Christian family. Uh, really awesome. And this girl was just as sweet as she could be. And at night when she would go to sleep, she would see all these demons and stuff. 
And so, obviously, everybody was upset about it. She wasn't sleeping well. I don't know if anybody else was either. And so I said, well, let's just pray and let's just ask the Lord what it is. Are you all okay with that? And they're like, okay. So I said, let's just pause for two minutes and just listen. So we just paused for a minute or two, listened. Anybody see anything, hear anything? I said, well, no, they didn't really get anything. And I just saw a short picture, just a real quick snapshot of a castle. Uh, it was a dark castle, and I saw a person walking down around, down into the castle. And it didn't, I asked the Lord what it meant, but I didn't get any inspiration about what it meant. And so I said, does this mean anything to you? Probably said something like, this may sound crazy, but does this mean anything to you? And the dad almost jumps up. He says, well, yeah. I said, well, <laughs> good. Tell us, what, what is it? And so he said that they had recently moved into this house, that the daughter's bedroom, the walls had been painted completely black, and that the girl, that, the teenager that resided up there was into a lot of really dark demonic stuff and a lot of other bad stuff. And so just recently they had painted the room uh, white and or some other color. We went up there and then they had uh, anointed uh, the doors with oil, but she was still having this. And I said, well, can we go up there and just do a simple cleansing prayer? So we went up and prayed uh, over her room and just prayed while we were in that room and then... I mean, it left. It's not returned back from what I've heard. This was just a few months ago. So praise God for that. So he can do all kinds of things. But again, it goes back to when this healing thing, it really is a mystery. Because right now, my cousin, uh, who's really as close to me as any brother, is in UK waiting to have uh, quadruple uh, bypass surgery on Tuesday. My, many of you know, my former wife, Sally, I lost her to colon cancer after 20 years of marriage. And we prayed to God that God would heal her. And Sally and I had been praying for other people and saw the Lord move in, a, in an amazing ways and do miracles. And yet he chose to give her the ultimate healing. And so what do you do with that, you know? And so we have something we just call a mystery box. We don't literally have a box, but we have a mystery box. And things we don't understand, why I haven't received, why so-and-so didn't receive, why did this happen, I don't know. But we just kind of put that in the mystery box because... I believe there's things this side of heaven that we just are not going to know until we're actually able to be there. And personally, I don't think we're going to care once we get there. But um, that's what we do with these things. And so what we do try to do is, even in midst of disappointment, we pray into what's possible. We pray into what's possible. And also we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because he is the exact representation of the Father. And I love Brad's priestly prayer here this morning. And that's why, I assume that's why this is called King's Church. Because keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he is our king. Our eyes are to be fixed on Jesus, not on the storms of life around us. There's one heck of a storm, as you know, going on outside of here. You can hear it in here. But it's so important for us to keep our eyes on him and not on the storm, not on the diagnosis, not on the job situation, not on the wars, but to keep our eyes fixed on him and to pray into what's possible. Psalm 73, 26 says, My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. And so I'd like to close uh, today with something called a father's blessing. And again, I've already said God is not a formula, but this was a really powerful time of ministry in Niger just a few weeks ago. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to do uh, this today as well. So if you guys don't mind standing up, you've been sitting there long enough as it is. And so I don't know what kind of dad you had. 
I am so thankful for the father and the mother that God gave me and that I was introduced to Christ at a, well, at a young age. I don't ever remember not knowing who Jesus was. But my dad wasn't able to be there for me for all the things that he needed. And I, and I had something called a father wound. And our Heavenly Father wants to heal any father wounds that might be present here today. And so I'm with these group of warriors in uh, Niger, about 75 or so in this room. And so I just uh, explained briefly about, oh, here's what I did. I asked a question. I said, how many of you have ever had your dad speak to you out loud the words, I love you? And out of that 75 or so, I think there were three that held up their hands. So I'm just curious, how many of you ever had your father speak the words, I love you to you? Good. Well, more than half. That's, that's awesome. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you. So uh, I wish to read this to you and just stand in on behalf of whoever your, your father was or whoever raised you or whatever they may not have been able to give you. So let me read this, and then I'll ask you to close your eyes in a minute. A father's role is to protect, provide, to bless, and to establish his children's identity. Maybe your father did that for you, and maybe he didn't. Perhaps he abandoned you or abused you sexually, physically, verbally, or emotionally. Maybe he died before you were ready, or he left you for some other reason. Maybe he made you his pet, delighting in you so much that you haven't been able to break away to be your own person. Perhaps he was distant, removed, and showed no interest in you, or he terrified you with his anger and his rage. Perhaps he made you the scapegoat for all of his troubles so that you suffered for things that other people did to him. Perhaps he blamed you for things that were not your fault at all. Maybe he worked too much or played too hard or never spent time with you, missed your ball games, your dance recitals, your spelling bees, and maybe he liked alcohol a little too much. Maybe he spent too much time with you, forcing you to become the athlete or the student or doctor or lawyer that you never wanted to be. Perhaps he left you in the care of hurtful, dangerous people. Maybe he didn't see or believe you when you went to him for help. Perhaps he was just too preoccupied with himself to see anything that you wanted or needed then. I really don't know. But if you're willing to hear the words of someone representing your dad speaking to you, if you will, just close your eyes for a few minutes. And if you're so inclined, just, just open up your hands as if you were to receive a blessing. I realize that I'm not your father, but please allow me to stand in for him. And in the place of your father, who may or may not have said any of these things... Please allow yourself to hear these words. I ask your heavenly Father to richly bless you in all the places that I failed to bless you. I ask the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of his cross and blood to set you free now from any harsh or cruel words that I said, especially the ones that you keep remembering over and over. I am so sorry. I ask the Lord to set you free from heart injuries you sustained from me or from others in whose care I placed you. I ask the Holy Spirit to set you free from heartache, disappointments, dread, grief, or rage that you cannot resolve. And I'm sorry for any other struggles that I may have caused you. May you be healed from being ignored by me or overindulged by me. If I ever made you feel less than or not good enough, 
I am deeply sorry, and I ask you to please forgive me. May the Lord set you free from working so hard to please me when nothing ever would. May the Lord set you free from trying to get from me what I never had to give you. I am so sorry. May the Lord set you free from blaming me for failing you. Not because I need that, but so that you can be free to grow, to receive, to achieve, and to be creative in ways that you have not yet imagined. May the Lord give you all the things that I was unable or unwilling to give you. May the Lord guide you in ways I never could and grant you peace. May the Lord free you from the effects of my addictions, my anxieties, and my anger. May the Lord free you from feeling that you always have to be perfect or that you have to be what I expect you to be. I pray that God will help you to see that the hurt and pain I caused you came from my own childhood. It limited me, and I'm so sorry it has limited you. I pray that God will remove from you any belief that you were not wanted or loved. And I felt the Lord wanted me to read this one twice. I pray that God will remove from you any belief that you were not wanted or loved. I pray that you have no doubt that you are the gender you're supposed to be. I pray that the Lord will release you from any unhealthy bond that you may have with me. I want you to keep all of the good that came from me and give the garbage to God. My beloved son, my precious daughter, I love you. I am so proud of you. I am so glad. I'm so glad that you were born. Take flight, my love. Soar into the heights of God's destiny for you. Fly free and live. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brandon.